This free program is paid for by the listeners of Redwood Community Radio. If you're not already a member, please think of joining us. Thank you. Support for Redwood Community Radio comes in part from the Security Store Incorporated in the Meadows Business Park in Redway, featuring watershed dry bags and Pelican cases in many sizes. Both have lifetime warranties and have been tested over time in Humboldt County. The Security Store has solutions for all security needs and is open Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5, 923, 2363. And support for Redwood Community Radio comes from listeners like you and from Blue Star Gas, located at 1333 Redwood Drive at Alder Point Road. Blue Star Gas provides propane and gas appliances throughout southern Humboldt, northern Mendocino, and Trinity counties. Locally owned and independently operated since 1938. It's 701. This is Redwood Community Radio, KMUD Garberville, KMUE Eureka, KLAI Laytonville, and on the web at kmud.org. And the views and opinions expressed on Redwood Community Radio throughout the listening day are those of the speakers and not those of the station, not necessarily those of the station, its underwriters, or something else. I'm forgetting the card because I'm not reading it. Thank you for joining us, and time is made for you to get your point across on our call-in talk shows. Although we won't necessarily let you ramble on for hours and hours. But anyway... I would like to thank our underwriter for the upcoming talk show, Ask Your Herb Doctor. KMUD thanks Jessica Baker of Jade Dragon Acupuncture for her support of Redwood Community Radio. Practicing traditional Chinese medicine, Jessica treats conditions ranging from psoriasis to post-traumatic stress. She's located at 607 F Street in Arcata. Jade Dragon Acupuncture can be reached at 822-4300 or online at jadedragonacupuncture.com.
Well, welcome to this month's Ask Your Rev Doctor. My name's Andrew Murray. Uh, for those of you who perhaps have never listened to the shows, which run every third Friday of the month from 7 till 8 p.m., my wife and I are both licensed medical herbalists who trained in England and graduated there with a degree in herbal medicine. We run a clinic in Garberville where we consult with clients about a wide range of conditions and recommend herbal medicines and dietary advice. So you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMUD Garville 91.1 FM and from 7.30 until the end of the show at 8 o'clock you're invited to call in with any questions either related or unrelated to this month's subject of diabetes and Dr. Pete's uh, latest research on diabetes. Uh, the number here if you live in the area is 923-3911 or if you live outside the area there's a toll-free number which is 1-800-KMUD-RAD. So that's 1-800-KMUD-RAD if you live outside the area. Uh, we can also be reached toll-free on 1-888-WBM-ERB for consultations or further information Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. Okay, so uh, once again, we're very pleased to welcome Dr. Pete on the show. Dr. Pete, are you there? Engineer, where's Dr. Pete? Oh, <laughs> uh, he was there. I'll try calling him back. Okay. Okay, until we get Dr. Pete back on the line here. Uh, basically, the uh, continuation uh, of this show is going to be on diabetes and Dr. Pete's uh, research onto uh, neuropathies and the classical diagnosis of diabetes and what we know in the light of current research to uh, kind of uh, make, make the notion of diabetes disappear in light of uh, new findings. So, Dr. Pete, if you're with us... Hello. Hi, Dr. Pete. Can you hear us okay? Yes. Perfect. Okay. Um, so, as always, um, even though you're a pretty permanent fixture on the show, and we're very happy to keep it that way, um, for those perhaps who've never listened to you or heard you, uh, would you just give an outline of your uh, academic professional background so people know uh, more about you? Okay. I, I had uh, been interested in biology for a long time, but... Uh, was doing other things, uh, teaching English, linguistics and such, but in 1968, I decided to go back to graduate school to get a PhD at the University of Oregon. Uh, graduated there in 72, uh, having specialized in uh, mostly physiology of reproduction, biochemistry. And uh, since then, I've been following up on the, the same subject related to oxidative metabolism, progesterone, estrogen, and thyroid. Okay. And uh, I think also just for the uh, people that are listening to the show, um, Dr. Pete, you've been pretty much uh, altruistic in your uh, attitude towards uh, helping people. I know lots of people have uh, consulted with you uh, from all over the world uh, for various uh, metabolic disorders. And um, you have a very alternative very, very alternative view, but in terms of the research, it's actually not that alternative. It's just that the research doesn't really surface uh, anywhere near as quickly as we'd like it to uh, compared to what uh, medicine and doctors are taught uh, in terms of the uh, cause of diseases, um, specifically metabolic disorders, and, and their treatment is often often lagging behind or, in fact, contra, contraindicated in some ways. So you've, you've got a very extensive... Uh, uh, treatment background too, haven't you? A, a big part of the problem is that medical journals uh, are totally separate from science journals. Uh, 
years ago when before the internet um, index medicus was uh, a list of uh, medical journal articles similar to pubmed now mm-hmm. and uh, i occasionally compared uh, things that i would find in biological abstracts or chemical abstracts mm-hmm. and uh when I would look things up later in Index Medicus, I found that there was usually a delay of 20 or 30 years after the discovery of something absolutely essential, such as the role of coenzyme Q10 in uh, metabolism. Uh-huh. Okay, well, uh, on to this month's uh, topic. I know you've recently um, producing a newsletter. You, uh, you haven't actually finished it yet, but... Um, your, the subject of the newsletter is going to be on diabetes and fats and it has an interwoven uh, component with all those protective uh, elements of things that you are advocating uh, fairly continuously for many different disorders but diabetes being that one of those with things like progesterone and thyroid um, and adequate sugars and, and can I just start off perhaps um, by just saying for our listeners, perhaps, uh, before we get into the actual causes of diabetes, would you, would you just then outline the standard definition and cause of diabetes from the perspective of current medical understanding before we get into the research and what um, it is you understand it as? The medical understanding has changed very little in the last 200 years. <laughs> uh, it was called the sugar disease, and uh, in ancient times it was... Uh, named uh, because of the excess urination uh, and the uh, urine contained a lot of glucose and uh, people craved sugar uh, and then they discovered the blood was loaded with glucose and so it uh, began the, the medical concept that it was the glucose or the sugar disease and uh, the uh, standard cure was to make them uh, unable to uh, eat sugar, imprison them if necessary, and uh, they would just die anyway, but uh, they kept them from satisfying their sugar hunger. And then insulin was discovered, uh, which would, uh, for the the people who were wasting away with uh, what later was called type 1 diabetes, uh, insulin would allow them to uh, build muscle and and put on fat instead of uh, breaking tissues down and excreting it in the urine. Um, but uh, the sugar disease concept uh, stayed with the medical profession, uh, even though insulin deficiency came to be the the, the idea of its cause. But then. Uh, as they looked for more ways to sell insulin, they noticed that lots of people who weren't wasting away and dying at a young age also had very high blood sugar. Some of them had sugar in their urine, uh, yet when they tested their blood, they found it had a normal amount of insulin in it. But uh, anyway, they were good candidates for treatment, so it came to be called type 2 diabetes, even though the original concept was that uh, diabetes was a wasting disease in which you quickly died of uh, tissue wasting. Uh, But now fat people uh, became 
something like 95% of the patients for uh, treatment of their high blood glucose. Uh, so it, it definitely isn't a, a problem of insulin deficiency for the great majority of people who are diagnosed with diabetes. Okay, so uh, you just mentioned um, what's currently being called uh, type 1 and type 2. Type 1 is the insulin, for want of a better explanation, type 1 is insulin-dependent diabetes mellitus, and then type 2 is non-insulin-dependent, so it's kind of a diet, uh, what they call diet-controlled, or it can be modulated by the diet. So how does how does the model of... Um, Diabetes, then the current medical model of diabetes differ from the research uh, perspective on the cause of diabetes uh, before we get into articles and specifics. Um, in the late 19th century, uh, two doctors uh, doubted the, the theory that it was from eating too much sugar because they died even faster when they <laughs> made them not eat any sugar. So they uh, began feeding uh, first one patient with each uh, doctor, they let them eat all the sugar they wanted, which was something like uh, three-quarters of a pound a day mm-hmm. of pure sugar added. And they very quickly recovered from the wasting disease and uh, mm-hmm. were able to go back to work after a few weeks of this super high sugar <laughs> diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that gradually, uh, their followers eventually saw that fructose was uh, part of the sucrose standard sugar molecule, which uh, got into cells and was metabolized without needing uh, insulin. Uh, So for um, 50 or 60 years, uh, many diabetics uh, were able to eat uh, a a normal amount of of, um, sweetener in the form of fructose. Uh, but th- that never uh, became the dominant uh, treatment for, for diabetes, even though it, it um, is more or less uh, as effective as the simply very high sucrose diet. Uh, but experiments looking for what was the cause of, in, in the case of uh, young kids, the type 1 diabetes that was um, more common in girls and boys, uh, was it turned out to be sort of an autoimmune uh, problem, inflammation killing off the beta cells. And uh, it happens that in vitro and in animal experiments, you can uh, stimulate the uh, growth of stem cells in the pancreas with glucose. Mm-hmm. Um, so it isn't glucose that's responsible for killing those cells. It's... Um, an inflammation reaction, and the inflammation causes breakdown of fatty acids, which uh, cause free radical injury to the tissue. Uh, and uh, because of that observation of, of the inflammation involving prostaglandins and, and fatty acids, uh, unsaturated fatty acids, uh, a few experimenters uh, put uh, lab animals on a totally fat-free diet, uh, giving them only saturated fats or no fat at all, just carbohydrates and protein, vitamins and minerals, mm-hmm. and then tried to give them diabetes by all of the 
standard uh, methods of poisoning right. the, the uh, beta cells of the pancreas in various ways so they couldn't make insulin. And these fat-free animals didn't develop the uh, experimental diabetes the way all other animals do. Uh -huh. um, so uh, experimentally, it's been pretty well demonstrated that uh, unsaturated fatty acids breaking down uh, produce inflammation, which um, uh, activate many of the processes seen in diabetes, the degenerative processes in the retina and nerves, for example, are, are where uh, the damage uh, starts very often before the blood sugar increases at all. So if you're getting retinal degeneration and have normal blood sugar, or if you're getting uh, numb and tingly hands and feet and have normal blood sugar, uh, it's clearly not the the sugar which is responsible for the degenerative changes. Hmm. Okay, so again, you're um, pointing the finger of blame, if you like, at uh, the free fatty acid liberation and the uh, oxidative damage that occurs from that. Um, yeah, and the uh, unsaturated fatty acids happen to uh, create a vicious circle because they create stress, and the stress uh, activates the, the uh, stress hormones, which uh, provide in the, the normal process of pro providing fat from the tissues as emergency fuel, they liberate more of the uh, unstable polyunsaturated fats, creating more free radical damage, creating more stress, liberating more fats, and so on. Hmm. Where the um, purely saturated fats, when liberated, tend to turn off those stress hormones. Okay, so another another good reason yet again to uh, avoid the uh, liquid oils and avoid the, the uh, free fatty, uh, the, the fish oils and all the other oils that basically are, are very unsaturated because they're unstable, uh, promote oxidation uh, and all the stress response and tissue damage therein. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, how okay let's talk, perhaps I just wanted to mention that one of these uh, drugs medications that and I know quite a few people have been on and are probably still using amongst others but metformin uh, as a uh, as a diabetes um, medication yeah uh, fenformin uh, was the first form of that that was <clears throat> used uh, widely in the 50s and 60s but it was killing a very high proportion of people. They were dying much wow. earlier than they would have with no treatment at all. Oh, my goodness. And yeah. uh, it, it was causing lactic acidosis by okay. uh, causing the mitochondria to be unable to uh, oxidize glucose, oh which was exactly the problem of <laughs> diabetes. <laughs> so uh, that got a bad reputation, and it was replaced by metformin, which... Oh uh, was reputed to uh, not cause lactic acidosis. But wow. even on PubMed, if you look up metformin and lactic acid, you'll see, I don't know, must be more than 100 articles wow. on the uh, warning about the uh, production of lactic acidosis wow. with this standard, uh, <laughs> very common treatment. And uh, it works uh, where it works, uh, partly by poisoning the mitochondria uh, so that 
the cells are forced to produce lactic acid, and so it lowers blood sugar by wasting the, the glucose, turning it to lactic acid. Wow. wow. But uh, it, it also has some other effects which account for uh, why everyone doesn't die quickly of lactic acidosis. It, it apparently has some uh, slightly protective anti-inflammatory effects. Okay, uh, you're listening to Ask Your Ab Doctor on KMUD Galbaville, 91.1 FM. Uh, and from 7.30 till the end of the show at 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in with any questions uh, with our permanent uh, speaker, Dr. Ray Pete, who's on the show uh, discussing diabetes, uh, the scientific approach and the uh, research approach that's uh, elucidating lots of different, different treatment strategies than you would otherwise uh, expect to hear from your doctor. Um, so the number here, if you live in the area, is 923-3911, or if you're outside the area, the toll-free number is 1-800-KMUD-RAD. So uh, any time from 8.30, uh, 7.30, I beg your pardon, to 8 o'clock. Okay, so um, I wanted to also let you get into the, uh, the, uh, the benefits of sugar. I know we've done several radio shows on how good and how beneficial sugar is for the organism and the same with salt and keep getting validated uh, slowly but surely um, with reports of that same thing uh, in the press whereas before it was pretty well maligned so we understand that there are a lot of protective effects that sugar uh, confers to the organism from a cellular, cellular energy standpoint uh, what are the beneficial effects does sugar have when you look at it from a diabetic perspective um, I looked up what current journals and doctors are, are saying are the mechanisms that cause nerve damage in diabetes. And uh, they have a standard uh, four or five uh, chemical uh, or functional changes of, of nerve cells that uh, they say are caused by uh, excess glucose. Uh, they, they occur in the presence of excess glucose in the diabetic, but they also occur before or without the presence of glucose. And uh, the deficiency of glucose is one of the things that can uh, induce these same uh, defensive reactions that are, are blamed on sugar. Uh, and so you have to uh, look at the evidence regarding the deficiency of glucose and compare it experiment by experiment with the um, kind, kind of evidence they propose uh, to uh, explain glucose as the cause. And uh, when you look at, at all of the events associated with diabetes and the symptoms, uh, you see that uh, hormone changes typically go with it. Uh, stress induces uh, aromatase that increases estrogen production and uh, also directly increases uh, some of the pituitary hormones besides ACTH that drives the adrenals. Uh, stress increases growth hormone, which um, provides uh, fuel in an emergency by increasing free fatty acids mm. in the circulation. Okay. And the increased estrogen also increases the uh, ACTH and uh, uh, prolactin, several of the uh, stress hormones uh, in the pituitary, but especially growth hormone is 
is very closely connected with estrogen. So uh, uh, females have higher not only estrogen but growth hormone and free fatty acids in circulation. Hmm. And it happens that uh, females have uh, much more often problems with uh, the nerve degenerative symptoms of diabetes as well as, as being the ones that have the majority of uh, type 1 uh, diabetes during childhood. Okay. So, so the, uh, the effect of, of the free fatty acids on stress and glucoses or, or any sugars, uh, protection against those stress reactions is one of the basic uh, things to look at uh, in avoiding hypoglycemic uh, stress uh, long before uh, the uh, problem reaches the, the stage of producing hyperglycemia. And in hyperglycemia, what you have is the body's adjustment to the inability of cells to get enough energy because they can't oxidize glucose because the fats are blocking it. Right. Uh, that's been known since the 60s, called the Randall cycle, in which uh, free fatty acids block the use of, of glucose. So the body tries to overcome that poisonous effect of the free fatty acids by increasing glucose production. Okay. And and so it can kind of get around the, the block just by stuffing more huh. glucose into the blood. Uh, so to a great extent, uh, the rising blood sugar shouldn't be fought in itself. The, the cause that uh, interferes with the use of glucose uh, should be concentrated on. Absolutely. And when cells can't get enough glucose, it not only turns on the stress hormones, it turns off the production of thyroid hormone. And so all diabetics, uh, if the cell isn't able to take up and use glucose, because the liver becomes unable to activate uh, the pre-thyroid hormone thyroxin, turning it into the active T3. Um, so uh, supplementing uh, the active T3 thyroid hormone will cure lots of the uh, so-called uh, effects of diabetes. Um, I had an old friend whose uh, toes were uh, basically rotting because of, of um, what was diagnosed as uh, uh, diabetes, uh, degenerative nerve and circulation problems in the legs and feet. And uh, two weeks after he had started using Armour Thyroid, uh, his feet recovered completely. Uh, they, the, the, uh, his toes had been black with ulcerated going right into the bones, uh, but they completely healed up on, on thyroid. Wow. But uh, we went through three cycles in which his doctor said uh, the armor thyroid was going to increase his blood sugar <laughs> and uh, make his diabetes worse. So he would tell him to stop it. His feet would start rotting again. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so it wasn't just a coincidence. We, we did Three times. Yeah, wow. 
Good. Okay. Uh, on that note, Dr. Pete, we do have uh, several callers that are waiting up in the queue here. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, the lights are flashing. So let's go ahead and take the first caller. Uh, caller, you're on the air. And where are you from? Uh, hello. Hold on. I'm dealing with something. You, sir, caller, wait for a second. I have a call, a question to ask that a caller. I know that, and we're talking on the air right now. You're next caller. I apologize. So what's going on? <laughs> okay, uh, people love Dr. Pete. I know. I've been absolutely I know. swamped. I know, the flashing lights, the, the lights <sighs> are flashing, Lord. Dr. Pete, people are calling. Uh, I, okay, <laughs> I'll, the, I'll take this. As, as and also, you should ask them, if, they've, if they want to uh, talk off the air, uh, ask them where they're calling from. It's always good to get an idea of demographics. I'm actually, yeah, I'm, I know that. Uh, so first I will, we have so many caller, listeners from all over the country who listen on the Internet for this show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And people need to understand oh. that the KMUD system can only handle 25 people at a time. And we need to change that. I, I got an uh, email from, just a very side note, I got an email from a person in England who listens to the show, Dr. Pete, and uh, I'm going to be talking, uh, talking with them at some point here in the future. Yeah, and so it costs us money to have more than 25 at a time, and that is okay. something we need to do, but this is a plea to Dr. Pete's international <laughs> listeners to please support KMUD so that you will always be able to listen to him over the Internet. Good. And okay, so. Uh, so I have a question. Well, one person wanted you to speak more in layman terms in general. Which right. You're so eloquent and full of Latin that it's tough okay. for you, I'm sure. But uh, so in general, that is a general idea. And someone from Leggett has a friend with suspected CO2 poisoning and possible brain damage and was interested in nutritional ideas to address that. Hmm. CO2 poisoning. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, carbon monoxide Carbon poisoning. monoxide, yes. Yeah, yeah, my bad. Okay. Yeah, CO2 is, is one of the things that helps to restore uh, the uh, cells that are damaged by carbon monoxide. Okay, and, uh, good. Uh, good vitamin nutrition is helpful. Okay. All right, there you go. So carbon dioxide uh, and obviously nutritional support. And uh, thyroid hormone is the main thing we need to produce uh, all the carbon dioxide uh, is uh, protective. Uh, the uh, diabetic or hypothyroid person uh, is not producing enough energy from oxygen and glucose, and so they uh, very easily, or even at rest, turn some of the glucose into lactic acid. And uh, lactic acid displaces carbon dioxide from the blood, and that has a stress-producing effect throughout the body. And by simply uh, breathing less rapidly or breathing in a bag occasionally to rebreathe and save your carbon dioxide, you can uh, increase the uh, CO2 in tissues, uh, which activates the Krebs cycle, uh, stabilizes cells, and shuts down the production of lactic acid. Okay. So it has a, a direct connection to the uh, things that go wrong in diabetes as well as hypothyroidism to simply increase your CO2. And uh, living at, at a very high altitude, the body naturally does that because it, it isn't being overwhelmed with high-pressure oxygen like at sea level. Okay, let's take the next caller. Caller, you're on the air, and where are you from? Yes, this is David from Missouri. Oh, hey, David. 
Hello, Andrew. Hello, Dr. Pete. Um, this is off the subject a little bit, but I've um, I've heard Dr. Pete in other podcasts refer to starch molecules as um, I think we, we call those molecules. Maybe they're like a crystal-like structure, but they uh, actually block capillaries if they um, somehow get into the bloodstream. I mean, and I was know, just wanting him to elaborate on that a little bit more, possibly on uh, maybe what other research. He had mentioned one piece of research, and I, I don't remember who that was specifically, but Gerhard, I'm, I'm wondering if this is something that's fairly well known in the scientific community. Uh, no, it was something discovered a uh, hundred years ago, but uh, uh, in the 70s, a uh, German uh, immunologist, Gerhard Fulkheimer, uh, wrote some papers on it. It's called Persorption, uh, and he, uh, I think there's an article of his on the Internet uh, called Persorption, and it has illustrations of some of the junk that can uh, simply get squeezed right through the lining of the intestine. Uh, it, it isn't being squeezed uh, between cells necessarily. It can go right into the cytoplasm on one side and out the cytoplasm on the other side. Uh, cells are much more flexible than people imagine. Uh, particles as big as 100 microns, potato starch particles, for example, if you eat a, a slurry of cornstarch or potato starch or whatever on an empty stomach, a few minutes later, you can draw blood and find these uh, particles, which some of them are just the size of a red blood cell, but others are as much as 10 times the diameter of a red blood cell. And red blood cells are very flexible, so they can squeeze through capillaries with an opening that's only maybe 5 microns across, and, and their diameter is 10 uh, microns. And so even a, a 10 micron particle of starch uh, will uh, plug up a, a, an arteriole and shut down circulation to a whole block of capillaries uh, fed by that arteriole. And the bigger the particle, the bigger the uh, small artery is that gets plugged up. And Fulkheimer would feed mice uh, a high content of, of uh, free starch in their diet, and he found that they aged prematurely, and when he sliced them up, he found that all of their organs contained little uh, nests of, of dead, deteriorating cells uh, downstream from the plug of one of these starch molecules. So, Dr. Pete, would these starch materials actually resist, I mean, does the body see this as an irritant and try to somehow expel it, or is it just something that just stays yeah, there for long periods of time? The body can produce the enzymes pretty much anywhere it needs to that can break down starch. It isn't just saliva and intestine that has those enzymes, but they can stay in place long enough, as he demonstrated, for the tissue to die. Uh, the bigger they are, I suppose, the longer they stay put, uh, killing tissue. 
So when we're eating a potato, and as you've mentioned before, you know, using like coconut oil or butter or some kind of saturated fat, that's allowing that to basically, I guess the word would be like slide through the intestine rather than getting off to the side and going into the, the bloodstream? Yeah, if it's very well cooked, it, it um, makes the uh, starch particle easier to break down in the intestine and the the fat delays the uh, absorption so it has time to break down more before it's uh, absorbed. So when you said the word, uh, I forgot the scientist's name, but he found all sorts of junk. Junk would be like all these things that they're putting into our food, too, or like, you know, the silicates that you've mentioned that they use, like, to uh, make a, a viscosity for the machinery to, like, vitamins and minerals and, and different things, or supplements that they yeah. produce. And so those silicates would be one of those junk elements that probably lodge in different vessels in the body too, right? And I think the uh, chemically modified uh, cellulose molecules that are in practically everything, uh, some of those are uh, toxic in themselves, uh, seem to have a catalytic effect, and so they might be... Uh, degrading the supplement right in the tablet. Uh, that has hardly been studied, one or two wow. papers on it. And the um, silica particles not only uh, get into the tissue, but they have uh, a toxic and uh, allergenic or immunological effect. Uh, Gerhard Fulkheimer, being an immunologist, was especially concerned about uh, their role in degenerative and immune diseases, but uh, people specializing in uh, the uh, silica or silicone reactions, they found that supposedly uh, amorphous uh, silica uh, glass-like particles, that they in themselves have some of the silicone-like effects and uh, even overlap with the crystalline effects uh, that produce uh, cancer in, in diabetes, in, in uh, silicosis uh, from, from uh, asbestos uh, crystals. Uh, but it, it seems to be an activation of inflammation reactions. The inflammasome particle uh, re- responds to a certain shape of particle, so uh, if it has a given shape, it doesn't matter too much whether it's asbestos or carbon or silicon or um, uh, uh, wood. Uh, I, I think Polkheimer uh, uh, mentioned feathers and wood particles, sawdust, uh, wow. can uh, get through the intestine. And he showed that uh, not only... Uh, plugging up the blood vessels uh, about 15 minutes after they can be detected in the blood. They can be found in the liver, in the bile, uh, having crossed another set of of cell barriers, and in the cerebrospinal fluid right into the brain, and uh, eventually some of them show up in the urine. You know, you would think that maybe that would be contributing to, like, psoriasis and, and different skin disorders, too, because of, it, of its 
maybe reaching the surface capillaries. Is that possible? I'm mean, becoming you know, an irritant. It's especially uh, theorized, at least, uh, to contribute to the uh, the various uh, things like scleroderma, uh, silicone from breast implants uh, has been connected to uh, the generalized uh, scleroderma, but even the the silica particles uh, used as food additives uh, are suspected as uh, activating the inflammatory skin hardening diseases. Boy, it, it, once you see these different things happening in the body, it really informs you on what you eat, I think, don't you? Mm-hmm. Of course you do. Um, you know, I mean, it just really kind of guides you about being careful about what you put in your mouth because I mean, there's just so many things. I'm, I'm going to have to stop you there, David. I don't mean to be rude, but... Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, no, thank you. That was we, great. We really, thank you very much. Yeah, we really appreciate your calls. We do have three more callers at least, okay. so I'd like to get other people to get a chance here. Okay, okay let's take the next caller. Uh, caller, you're on the air. And where are you from? Uh, is this me? Yes. Where, where are you from, oh, caller? Oh, sweet. Right on. I'm from here in Garberville. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Uh, well, one thing real quick. Um, way back when we were talking about uh, diabetes and insulin, um, you mentioned a few things that really seem to drive home the point that for pregnant women, the best thing you can possibly do for them is keep them unstressed. Like, for the baby, for the future, I've got a son myself, um, he turned out pretty good, but I'm thinking a lot of that was how much focus and attention there was on keeping the mother happy mm-hmm. and unstressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and one of the essential things of stress is falling blood sugar. Mm-hmm. So if mama craves whatever, chocolate, peanut butter, ice cream, pickles, um, it's probably a good thing, right? Uh, yeah, uh, the glucose is essential for the baby's brain development, and uh, many older gynecologists and obstetricians knew that women, diabetic women, had the brightest babies. Uh, <laughs> even hugely fat women who had diabetes and uh, were not in good health themselves often produced extremely healthy babies. And intelligent. Fantastic. You mentioned Fantastic. that intelligence was also uh, higher in uh, diabetic women because, specifically, because of the increased blood sugar. Uh, yeah, and experiment. And not to dwell on that too much, because that was actually a secondary point. My main point was into the diabetes thing again, and hypoglycemia specifically. Um, when I was younger, a teenager, I was diagnosed with hypoglycemia. Um along with having really bad acne. Um, and I'm, through this conversation, I've realized a couple of things. One, it could all be tied back to the amount of uh, unsaturated fat I may have consumed as a child. If all that was blocking up my ability to even process the glucose, I may have had some hypoglycemic symptoms at the same time as my body is trying to, like, just up and coagulate around every obstacle. Um, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, uh, a man named Adamke Wicks, uh, about thirty or forty years ago, showed that lowering blood sugar activates the inflammatory process, and doubling mm-hmm. the blood sugar will stop 
allergies uh, to almost everything. Uh, so the um, every episode of hypoglycemia is uh, stressing your immune system as, as well as uh, activating the stress hormones that compensate by uh, turning protein into sugar. Do you expect that was... Uh at all related to my intense craving during those years for lots of sugar, like donuts and jolt cola for lunch. Uh, yeah, that's the natural thing, like in pregnancy, when, when a woman needs sugar or premenstrually, same thing happens. Oh. Uh, when your blood sugar falls, you crave sugar. And uh, okay. if your uh, thyroid is just temporarily uh, depressed by stress, uh, eating a pound of sugar over a period of three days will sometimes replenish the glycogen stores in all of your tissues, including the liver, where the okay. liver uses it to activate the thyroid hormone. So, okay. so sometimes... To get back to the original point, then, the, the stress, then, besides being an adolescent, I mean, I'm now almost 35, and I've still got the acne, um, the stress then, does that come from the unsaturated fat? Uh, that's probably the most common reason for it, but many kinds of stress can bring it on. Uh, but I think that's, that's the most common cause uh, currently. And there, there's a really great book by Broda Barnes called Hypoglycemia. It's your liver, not your mind. And okay. uh, he was one of the first people to point out that uh, the liver provides three-quarters of our active thyroid hormone. And mm -hmm. to do that, it needs glucose. And without the active thyroid hormone, you tend to get hypoglycemia. Mm -hmm. And I assume alcohol in that factor would be a downer. Um, yeah, it interferes with the uh, provision of, of glucose. Thank you very much, Doctor. Okay, thank you for your call, caller. We've uh, still got several more callers on the line, so let's take this next caller. Caller, and where are you from? Who's this? Uh, from uh, Vancouver, Washington. Oh, hi. You're on the on the air. Go ahead. I'm from Vancouver, Washington. Thank you. Yeah, I did hear that. Go ahead with your questions. Uh, I I have two cysts uh, growing on each. Of my horn, whatever. I'm nervous. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Anyway, right now they're at 6.9 centimeters, and I'm 79 years old, and my question is, do I have them removed? Now, where were these cysts again? On my on my uh, ovaries? Yes, thank you. <laughs> Go ahead, Dr. Pete. That's the, that's the age thing. No problem. So, Dr. Pete. Um, I think you should have your uh, blood hormones measured. Uh, the cysts could be producing uh, a lot of estrogen. Have you had ultrasounds? Yes, I have an ultrasound every six months. Uh, and are they enlarging? Yes, slowly. Um, the uh, a blood test might show what's needed to uh, break them. Sometimes just a, one dose of uh, progesterone is all that's needed for the cyst 
to uh, break in the, the way it should during a normal uh, menstrual cycle. Mm. So my, my real question is, do I do this at my age? I mean, is there a chance that I may not come out of it? Oh, oh, sure. Surgery uh, is, uh, if, if you're underweight especially and uh, over 70, uh, then any surgery uh, tends uh, in the six months following the surgery, it increases all kinds of risk of, of dying. Mm-hmm. Well, gosh, Hard thing to decide to do. Well, pro- um, progesterone is a very, uh, very safe uh, compound, and it's uh, certainly far safer than surgery. So that would be a very good start. And yes. Pro- and progesterone should be something that would easily be prescribed by your doctor. I'm. I have an appointment, so I'll certainly bring this up. Mm-hmm. There are, of course, other sources of uh, progesterone that you can you can purchase also, just so that the uh, doctor, if they refuse to do that, it is always possible to go elsewhere. What what would I can you get it over the counter? Um, several. I mean, in in California here, there's several health stores. I mean, I think there's very many health stores, but I don't get around the country too much. But I've seen it certainly uh, in health stores. So there's a product uh, called um, Progeste, which is a, a natural uh, progesterone, uh, and there's several several other types. Uh, of of uh, product that uh, contain progesterone, uh, that would be the thing that um, Dr. Pete's mentioning would be useful for you. Okay, uh, like I said, I'm at 6.9 centimeters, and listening to Dr. Oz one day, he said if you get to eight, you've got to have them taken out. Mm. Is that? Um, I've, I've known. Uh, quite a few younger women with big uh, cysts that were uh, causing uh, pain at least and uh, uh, they were um, with just one or two doses of progesterone that they they cyst simply broke and they had no more problem hmm. so is that the same as twisting if it twists itself no I think I think you're uh, I think it's probably getting confused with two different things. Number one is a kind of natural, a natural and spontaneous uh, dissolution or breaking down, um, and the other thing I think you might be confusing with twisted ovaries, but I'm not too sure. But yeah, pregnenolone, pregnenolone is one of those things you should definitely first ask your doctor for, and uh, if you can't get them from your doctor, you can always find them online. So uh, progesterone is the thing you you, uh, you you want to try. Okay, well okay. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you for your call. Okay, we still have three more callers, so let's take this next caller. Where are you from, caller? Um, from Kansas City. Kansas City. Hi. Okay. Hi. Um, I have a question about niacinamide. Um, in Dr. Pete, in one of your articles, you said that it can cause tumor cells to either mature or disintegrate, but it prolongs the replicative life of culture cells. Could you explain that a, a little bit more to me, please? Um, it, it's needed to produce energy efficiently, and uh, it lowers uh, stress, so uh, the... Um, 
increased energy and reduced stress uh, simply uh, stops the processes that uh, tend to promote cancer. Uh, but uh, its its main uh, effect is protective for nerve cells, for example. Uh, almost anything that injures uh, a nerve cell is uh, protected against by uh, niacinamide. Okay, thank you very much. That explains it. And I do have another question. Um, in one of your interviews, uh, you said that um, a way of helping with extreme vaginal dryness is to use a suppository with a fairly high dose of vitamin A and a little vitamin E in a cocoa butter. Um, how much would be a safe high dose of vitamin A and how much E? Oh, um, it, to, um, to make a suppository, uh, it depends on whether you're using uh, uh, pure cocoa butter. With that, you can get probably a thousand uh, milligrams of vitamin E and uh, maybe uh, 20,000 international units of vitamin A uh, to dissolve in one uh, suppository. Okay, and um, how much, uh, I mean, how often should one use this? Um, the people who have told me about it uh, did it every day. Okay. Um, could also, if I were to take vitamin A internally for uh, to help with other issues, how much is a safe dose? To help with, with what? Well, with I, other issues, I have uh, liver issues. I have a problem with my thyroid. I mean, with oh. my esophagus and several other problems. So. Vitamin A would be helpful, but how much would be a safe dose taken internally? It depends on the status of your thyroid exactly, <clears throat> because the thyroid hormone and vitamin A are carried on the same protein in the blood. And if you uh, take too much uh, vitamin A, it uh, can act uh, as an antagonist to thyroid. It, it acts like a polyunsaturated fat in competing against uh, the thyroid hormone and uh, uh, can also block the production of adrenal and ovarian steroids if you get too much. But uh, 10,000 units a day uh, if your thyroid is, is okay. People with very high thyroid activity sometimes need uh, more like 50 thousand international units of vitamin A uh, because the, the increased thyroid raises your requirement for vitamin A. So it's important to adjust the dose to the thyroid function. I see. Um, I have Hashimoto, so I am actually taking thyroid hormones. Um, so would 10,000 be too much for someone like me? Um, it, yeah, it, unless you're sure that your metabolic rate is up, it's good to limit it to about 10,000 units a day. Okay, well, thank you so much. appreciate it. 
Thank you for your call. Okay, it is actually five to eight now, and I know we have one more caller, so I'm itching to find out where they come from. But if you can be really quick, caller, with your question, and Dr. Pete, if you could sum it up in a sentence, if that's possible, that will still leave me uh, time to give people more information okay. about you. So next caller, you're on the air. Where are you from? Hi there. Yes, where are you from? Hi, um, my name is Mike, and I'm, I'm calling from New York. New York, oh. <laughs> okay, we've got four minutes or less, Mike, so be quick with your question. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, good evening, Andrew and Dr. Pete. Um, my, I guess my, my first question would be with regard to diabetes. What would you recommend, Dr. Pete, that uh, somebody with diabetes who has been uh, is given all this propaganda about avoiding sugar and such that you would recommend to them to get a start and that they could see benefit from and perhaps uh, open up to trying more sugar and, and things like that? Uh, well, fruit is the best way to get your sugar. Um, orange juice in the United States is uh, the most reliable way to get sugar with every meal. Um, milk is very important for sem- several reasons. Uh, a- as a source of protein, uh, the uh, high calcium has an anti-stress effect. Uh, so uh, emphasizing every day milk, cheese, protein, and some eggs, and uh, uh, other fruits, avoiding the starchy fruits like, like bananas uh, and uh, uh, then uh, if, if you actually have a problem with high blood sugar, uh, which uh, if it's only uh, 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 like 130 milligrams percent, uh, 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 that, that wouldn't be uh, a reason for uh, working on the blood sugar. But uh, supplementing brewer's yeast and aspirin are things that uh, can help to actually lower the blood sugar. Uh, and a thyroid supplement sometimes will uh, help. Okay, I think we're going to have to hold it there, I'm, I'm afraid. Okay, um, let me just tell, tell you, uh, tell everybody that's listening where, you're, uh, where you can be contacted, Dr. Pete. Thanks so much for your time, and, and thank you, callers. Okay, so Dr. Pete can be found online at www.raypeat.com. Uh, plenty of uh, scholarly articles fully referenced, uh, quite a few different subjects, but his speci- speciality is metabolic disorders, uh, thyroid disorders, and hormones and aging. So uh, thank you so much again, Dr. Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, we can also be reached toll-free at one eight 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 wbm herb for further questions Monday through Friday. Uh, and for all of those uh, who have called in, thank you so much for making the show uh, what's becoming a very... Uh, <laughs> a very universal show. Like I said, I've had callers from England, uh, and this month we've had callers from New York, Washington, Kansas, and Missouri. So I think that speaks for itself. Uh, but thanks so much for listening, and um, until next March, it's the third Friday of every month uh, from 7 to 8 p.m. Uh, the show is pretty much exclusively uh, given over to Dr. Pete's wisdom at this point in time. Okay, thanks so much. Redwood Community Radio, KMUD, is listener-supported. And we are here because people help with their time, energy, and money. Hint, hint. If you are enjoying our online live stream at kmud.org right now, please consider making a secure donation by clicking on the Donate Now button right at kmud.org. And thank you for all of us. And thank you to KMUD for providing such diverse programming.
And K-Mud thanks Jessica Baker of Jade Dragon Acupuncture for her support of Redwood Community Radio. Practicing traditional Chinese medicine, Jessica treats conditions ranging from psoriasis to post-traumatic stress. Located at 607 F Street in Arcata, Jade Dragon Acupuncture can be reached at 822-4300 or online at jadedragonacupuncture.com. This is Redwood Community Radio, KMUD Garberville, KMUE Eureka, KLAI Laytonville. Stay tuned for Funked Up. We've got Little Rock sitting in. Enjoy. Please remember that this program is supported by the listener members of Redwood Community Radio. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a member of KMUD or renewing if you've already joined. A regular yearly membership is $50, but we accept any amount. Help us keep free speech alive.